Our scripture this morning comes from Proverbs 31, 10 through 31. And no, this does not take the place of your reading on May 31st. A good wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it was yet night and provides food for her household and tasks for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it with the fruit of her hands. She plants a vineyard. She girds her loins with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. She holds her hand to the poor. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes herself coverings. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers girdles to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the fruit of your, her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Let us bow our head in prayer. Loving God, we gather today to praise you, to tell of your love, and to give you thanks. We thank you especially for the life revealed to us in Christ Jesus. We thank you for revealing your plan of salvation to us in Scripture. Open our hearts and our understanding today as we listen to and meditate upon your scripture. Remind us to always welcome the children and bless them. May we leave here reflecting your light. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. I'd like to invite the kiddos forward to sit on the front pew. Any of them that are hiding in the back, I see you. I know you're there. So today is a day, right? Is it like a regular day? No? What day is it? It's Mother's Day. It is. I didn't get breakfast in bed. I'm kidding. <laughs> it's Mother's Day today. And it's a special day, right? Because we celebrate the mom people in our life. And moms don't just mean the, the women who gave birth to you. They're the people who show up every day to help guide you and raise you. That's what it means to be a parent and what it means to be a mama, right? So mamas come in all shapes and sizes with all different titles. They don't have to be related by blood. They are just the women in your life that love and care for you. Let's sit on our bottoms. Let's sit on our bottoms. Our ears don't work if our mouths are moving. So it's mommy's day, right? And I want you guys to look around today as you go throughout your day because there's something that happens on Mommy's Day. I like to call it the Mother's Day miracle. Do you guys know what happens? 
Usually at church services, when it doesn't look like the rains are going to come down on us, we have a whole bunch of people who show up here with their kids, and everybody's in their Sunday best and on the best behavior, right? Right? Maybe. Yes, they're in their Sunday best clothes, and they're on the best behavior, and their hair's all done. Somebody in my family got a haircut last night, and yes, I did use Mother's Day for that. Mother's Day's tomorrow. You've got to get your hair cut, right? That's what happens. And then if you're out shopping, you might see all fa- families out together, right? All together, doing things together. If you go to a restaurant, if you go to a restaurant, you're going to see big families out together, right? And everybody's going to be really, really dressed nicely and celebrating the women in their family, the mamas in their family, right? I call that the Mother's Day miracle. Just all of a sudden, there's families everywhere. And they're all in their best behavior. Or they better be. Right? Did you guys know that something similar happened in the Bible? You didn't know that? You didn't? It did. So Jesus, one day, he was out preaching, right? And parents had heard about Jesus. And parents, mamas, are people who want the best for their children, right? They want to guide them and make sure that they get the best of the best in the world and that they're ready to enter the world. And so parents heard that Jesus was preaching in this particular area, and they were trying to bring their kids to meet Jesus. I mean, how cool would that be, right? How cool it would be if Jesus was out teaching and you actually got up to and you got to go sit next to him and you got to say hi to him and talk to him and get a hug from him. That'd be pretty cool, right? And so he's out teaching and the parents start bringing their kids. But the disciples, the disciples don't understand what's happening. And they think, oh, no, Jesus is way too busy to have all of these kids jumping on top of him. He's just, he's too important for that, right? And they try to, they try to stop the kids from coming to see Jesus. And they tell the parents, take your kids away from here. But what do you think Jesus did? What do you think he did? He said, oh, uh uh-uh. You better bring those kids over here. You better not stop them. Because my kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, is for little kids just like these. It's for you guys. Jesus wants you all in his kingdom. And then he goes farther and he tells the disciples that unless you can accept my father, unless you can accept God like these kiddos accept him, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. That means that we need to come to Jesus without questioning. We need to come with an open heart. We need to come willing to believe, right? Kiddos, you guys have an amazing ability to accept and to believe the things around you, like Jesus' love. And your parents, the mamas in your lives, are there to guide you towards them. And I want you guys to remember that those mamas, are, they don't always go by mama. Sometimes they go by auntie. Sometimes they go by grandma. Sometimes they go by teacher or friend. In fact, I see out in this room a room full of mamas here. I see, I see people who are aunties and grandmothers to my kiddos who don't have aunties and grandmothers around here, right? Doesn't mean people who are living in your family with you. Jesus put the whole family of God together to work together. He wasn't looking at that 1950s family with the mom and the dad and the two and a half kids and the postage stamp backyard. He was looking at his definition of what it meant to be in a family, and that meant all of God's people together. And that meant all of the women in his family could be mommies. So when we celebrate mothers today, guys, I want us to celebrate all of the women in God's family who help us grow closer to Jesus by bringing us to him, just like those parents were doing in our scripture story today. Can we do that? Yeah? Okay, guys, let's bow our heads, fold our hands, close our eyes, and let's talk to God. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for all the mamas who teach us about your kingdom, 
and guide us to you. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, we're going to go out the music door and go to Spark Worship. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we do thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you for the love that you show us in many ways, but especially the love that you show us through our families. Lord, we lift up those we've named and those that you know about that have been unnamed here this morning that need healing. We ask that you would touch them and heal them. Lord, we lift up those anywhere who are in areas of violence, who are in situations of lack, who are just discouraged. We ask, Lord, that you would give them all what they need. Lord, I lift up the leaders of this country and all the countries of the world that they would seek and do your will. Lord, I lift up families, particularly today. Let us always remember their importance, and we ask your help in strengthening them. Lord, I ask that you would guide us all with your Holy Spirit, that we, like your Son, would always welcome children and everyone. And now we pray as he taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, my earliest memory of going to church was in Paris, Texas, when I was five years old. I don't remember anything that I can think of in church prior to being five. And we left, we left Paris very shortly, very shortly after I turned six because I started first grade. I didn't go to kindergarten, so that's my excuse, right? So we, when, when, when I went to school, kindergarten wasn't a big deal, and uh, I started in, in first grade. Anyway, First Methodist Church in Paris, Texas. I've, I've told you all this before about the bread. There was a bakery right there in the same block as First Methodist Church. And every Sunday when we went to church, I'd get out of the car and smell the fresh bread. Scents are so important to us for memories and things. And, it, and it's also appropriate because, right, Jesus was born in the, in the house of bread, Bethlehem. And Jesus is the bread of life, right? And we went in there, and I can remember the Sunday school room. It was a pretty good-sized church, 
and there was a there was a great big sanctuary. We used to sit if we're if we're facing the chancel, we would sit on the on on the left side, about a third of the way back, on the aisle side. I can remember seeing that when I was you know when when we were sitting there when I was a child. Then you'd go out and go behind the the chancel and uh, go upstairs to your Sunday school class. You go upstairs to your Sunday school class. And then we moved. Anyway, and some other time I'll tell you about the First Methodist Church in Greenville, Texas. Anyway, our scripture reading this morning comes out of Mark's Gospel, the 10th chapter, the 13th through the 16th verse. Consider the word of the Lord. People were bringing little children to him in order that he might touch them. And his disciples spoke sternly to them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not stop them. For it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. The word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Please be in prayer with me and for me. Gracious and loving God, we give thanks to you for all that you bless us with. Let us remember always your great love for us. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, Jesus' disciples, as Jesse said a few minutes ago, in uh, children's time, thought that the children would be a bother to Jesus. Wow. What a mistake they made. Said the people were bringing the children to Jesus that he might touch them. Wow. Has Jesus ever touched you? Now, why do you think people would bring children to Jesus for him to touch them? I think Mark gives us many examples. I'll just name a few. In all of these examples, people actually did bring. The Scripture tells us, you can, you can read the verses in each of the respective chapters. People actually did bring people to Jesus. I think the first time that Mark actually says that somebody brought someone to Jesus is in chapter 2, where the, where the four folks uh, lower the guy on the stretcher down into the house. You know, they tear up the roof and room. So they, they physically brought that person. And then in, in, in Mark chapter 8, it says that people brought a blind man to Jesus. And it says Jesus touched him, 
and he regained his sight. In Mark chapter 7, it says people brought a man who was deaf and could not speak to Jesus. Jesus touched him, and he was able to hear. And presumably, later on, he learned how to talk after he could hear, right? Since that's, uh, that's the way it works. Hearing is an important thing. And in Mark chapter 5, we sort of get the tables turned. Instead of bringing the person that needs healing to Jesus, Jairus asks that Jesus come to heal his daughter who is dying. And remember, while he's in the process of talking to Jesus, some other folks come up and say, it's too late, your daughter is dead, right? But Jesus went with him and took her by the hand, it says. He touched her and raised her up. And she was what? She was 12 years old. She was 12 years old. So people wanted to bring children to Jesus because they knew that when Jesus touches someone, they're never the same. Are never the same. Jesus saw what was going on and he said, what? He said, let the children come to me. Don't hinder them. Don't stop them. For to such as these belong the kingdom of God. Now again, I think sometimes we have flaky ideas. I don't know about y'all, I have flaky ideas all the time. But one of them, I think, is our understanding of the kingdom of God. I mean, if we, if we break it down in, in, real, in real simple pieces, and that's usually good for me, breaking it down into small, simple pieces so I don't get confused. What is a kingdom? Everybody knows what a kingdom is, right? A kingdom is a place where a king or a queen or some royalty exercises control, right? What they say goes, so to speak. Now, of course, to have a, to have a good kingdom, you have to have loyal subjects, right? And that's part of it. They have to, they have to go along with it. It's a, it's a relational thing. It's a relational thing. Quite simply, the kingdom of God is wherever God's will is being done. That's the kingdom of God. God's the king. If what God says goes in a particular place, that's God's kingdom. And we have to work in concert, in harmony with God's will to see the kingdom manifest. Jesus said... The kingdom of God was for such as little children. Hmm. Now, little children have all sorts of characteristics, right? They have all sorts of traits. But I just want us to think about three or so of them this morning that I think are helpful in making the kingdom of God present. The first one is they like to learn, right? They're inquisitive. They're inquisitive. You actually, you actually have to design a system 
that beats curiosity out of them to get them not to want to learn. Children want to learn. It's their natural predisposition. They're curious. They stand in awe of all sorts of things, right? Things that we just give a yawn at. You can see a child sometimes just come unglued with excitement, right? They stand in awe of things. And we too should stand in awe of God's greatness and love. And we should be willing to learn. We should be willing to learn from God. Another thing I think that makes the kingdom of God so readily available to children and those that have a childlike spirit is children don't care what other people think. I mean, I mean all, of, all of us have witnessed that right here, right? You don't have to go far. And certainly all of us who have children have seen that. They just don't care, right? And it's not a don't care in a negative not caring sort of way. It's a, it's a don't care in a positive way. See, probably one of the things that cripples us as adults more than anything else is often we are so et up with being concerned about what somebody else thinks, right? And probably... Probably the person who's thinking the most about it is me, right? The, the person that you're concerned about what they think, they could probably give a hoot, right? Because they're self-centered and concerned about themselves anyway, right? <laughs> Unfortunately, right? Which is something else that children can exhibit. But again, children just don't care what other people think. And think, how have you, have you ever... Have you ever felt like you ought to say something to somebody that would really be good for them? I'm not talking about just, I'm not talking about meddling or, or being a busybody or anything like that. I'm talking about something that, honest to goodness, might really help this person. But you don't say anything because you're afraid of what they or somebody else might think, right? Or you don't tell them about God's goodness and Jesus because you're afraid of what somebody else is going to think, right? Children aren't that way. They can get away with it. And I think if we look at Jesus, he wasn't that way either, right? He told them how the cow ate the cabbage. Whenever it was necessary, he told people. He didn't care what they thought. And then I believe the most important of the characteristics that children exhibit that makes them the ones that it's so easy to reach the kingdom of heaven is the fact that they're totally dependent and trusting, right? Little children are dependent upon their parents and they trust their parents completely. That's all God wants us to do. Trust completely. Put our trust in God. Put our trust in God. So they took children to Jesus, and Jesus said, bring them to me. Don't hinder them. Now, what are some ways we might hinder or 
expediate their relationship with Jesus. I'll suggest what I always suggest, and that is we look to Scripture. I think a good number of folks in here, even though they may not know chapter and verse, are familiar with Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting at verse 4, right? It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And that's usually about as far as we get, right? Our uh, Jewish brothers and sisters call that the Shema. Shema means hearing. So, hear, O Israel. That's where, that's where that comes from. But verse 6 says what? It says, keep my commandments in your heart. And then it goes on, it says what? You should talk to your children about them. When you're in your house, when you're walking in the way, when you lie down, when you rise up, you should talk to your children about them. If we don't want to hinder children from getting to Jesus, then we have the responsibility to talk to them about Jesus to take them places where they are exposed to Jesus, where they can learn about him. Here's a simple fact. It's, I mean, it's, uh, again, y'all have heard me say, most things really aren't complicated. We tend to complicate them, but most things really aren't that complicated. The simple fact is, is that everybody, everybody, you name them, has a spiritual formation. Whether they're Albert Schweitzer or Jeffrey Dahmer, everybody has a spiritual formation. And the question is, is what is put into that formation, right? We're spiritual creatures and we can't, we can't change that. That's our nature. We're all formed. So what are we going to allow to form us and how are we going to form our children? That's the question. That's the thing. How are we going to form them so that they are selfless instead of selfish? So that they are helpful instead of always wanting to be helped? How do we form them to do those things? How do we form them so that the kingdom of God is present to them all the time, all the time, and they live in it, and they see God's goodness. We all know what to do. We all know how to do that. You know, when I was five years old in that Sunday school class in Paris, Texas, I couldn't read, but I could hear. And again, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And there was a big, I remember, it was a big, like, poster up on the wall. And every Sunday that I went there, when we went in there, the Sunday school teachers would have us, would read to us what was up on that. You know what it was? 
Sure you don't. But of course you don't. It was Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise. Kids are good at that too, right? Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Enter into his presence with singing, right? That's the kind of stuff you want to teach children. That's the kind of stuff that brings children to Jesus. That's the kind of stuff that makes the kingdom of God known to everybody. So, what are some practical things we can do? Okay, for one is treat children like they are somebody. And I'm not saying anybody in here doesn't do that, but I'm just, I'm speaking to us all and I'm reminding us all. Learn their names, the children that are around you. Do you know the names of your neighborhood children? If there are any that live next door to you on either side or across the street? Do you know the names of all the children that you see here at church? When you address them, call them by name, just like we do anybody else. When I see Carl, I don't say, hey, you, or hi, guy, or whatever else, or hello, buddy. You know, all these, all these locutions we use to step around the fact that we haven't, uh, that we've been too lazy to just say, hey, what's your name? Or maybe it wasn't just being too lazy to say what's your name. Maybe it was back there to the thing that the children do that we don't do so well so time. You're worried about what somebody else thinks, so you don't ask them, right? But children don't do that. Learn their names. Treat them like they are somebody because they are somebody, just like Jesus did, you know? He rebuked his disciples when they tried to turn them away. Spend time with them. Do things. This is a great opportunity for me to shame people, so I don't ever miss an opportunity to do that. Jessie hurts for people to help her with children's ministry. You know, there's a big need there. And we got a lot of people that'll do a lot of things, but I've actually had, I've actually had people in this congregation tell me I don't do anything with children. In this congregation, okay, if you have ever said that or feel that way, you need to repent of that immediately and change your tune. Straighten up and fly right, okay, so, so to speak. And another thing all of us can do, you know, this is, this is a simple thing. Sponsor a child with some organization like World Vision or something. You just don't know. I just finished a book this week about a lady who's lived in Dibuji over in the Horn of Africa for like the last 15 years. You don't know how good you've got it. You really don't. And there are a lot of children in the world that are living in abject poverty. And for 35 bucks a month, you can change those children's lives. You can change those children's lives. That's, prob that's less than most of us probably spend when we go out to eat, right? So, so that's something practical you can do. Okay, enough of that. I'll get off my soapbox. But the point is, we can all do something, and we should do something. Because, again, little children grow up to be big people, right? 
And God has given us the ability to work with Him in harmony with His kingdom to bring about positive changes in the world. Jesus said, or it says there, He took them in His arms and He blessed them and He laid His hands upon their head. You see, Jesus said to us, what? Come unto me, all ye who, are la who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And in Matthew chapter 23, he says, what? He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I've wanted to take your children. I've wanted to take up your children like a hen, like a hen puts her brood under her wing but you were unwilling. So this morning, I want us to remember we're all God's children. And God wants to hold all of us in his arms and bless us. Will we let him? Go in peace and encourage and build up and teach the children that you come in contact with about the love of God and His great plan for their destiny. And as you do that, go with the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Amen. strong and true.